So welcome to today's webinar. Uh, as you know, we're going to be talking about delegation um, from not just, you know, typical delegation when done sort of on-premise or uh, co-located, as you may say, but we're going to be doing it here from, you know, working from home and virtual world, uh, which is the world we're in now. Uh, in fact, uh, I see some names from actually a class that we did related to that. Uh, but also, you know, this is probably for many companies, not all, but for many is going to be the future. Certainly, God willing, people will be able to come back to the office as uh, as COVID winds down and as the shots or whatnot, uh, you know, come up. But I think lots of firms I've spoken with are, in fact, either going to be staying 100% virtual because they've really tuned their uh, the internal business processes and such to work that way. Or what they're doing is they're going to be moving toward a hybrid model. Namely, they'll bring back certain groups of people that can work best within the office, but they'll have a small, medium, or even large portion of their workforce actually continuing to work from home. Part of the impetus for that, other than the fact that there are many employees who do not want to return to the office, um, is that uh, real estate is expensive. So I've talked to a number of firms who are going to be shrinking their actual physical footprint, namely the amount of, of uh, office space they're renting, saving themselves uh, a lot of money in the process. And then they'll be setting up what they call a process either called hoteling or hot seating, uh, which is they'll have a number of cubes and or offices and conference rooms so that when people come into the office that they can work there. But anyway, that's a, a class or a webinar for another day. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just begin by introducing myself and then getting directly into the material. Uh, some of you already know me, but again, my name is Eric Bloom. Uh, I'm the executive director of the IT Management and Leadership Institute. Uh, we'll be talking about it a drop at the end, but our claim to fame is we're the governing body for two certifications in IT management, the IT Management and Leadership Professional and the ITML Executive, ITMLE. But again, we'll be talking about that later. As far as my background, I won't go through it, but basically this is me. I've, uh, I'm a former uh, CIO level exec. I've written a bunch of books. I've done a lot of writing, um, done a lot of speaking. You can uh, look on the video if you want to go through this in more detail. Um, but anyway, what I'd like to do is move directly into our material. So as we talk about delegation, what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin by talking about two core topics. Now, these would be related to delegation, whether you're in the office uh, or doing it virtually. The reason that I'm having it, there's only a, actually a couple of slides on it before we get to it specifically in a virtual world, is for those who may not be uh, heavily involved or have uh, heavily experienced in delegating. These are two key concepts, which actually we'll be talking about from a couple of perspectives as we go through the rest of, uh, of today's webinar. But the first of these, and many of you may have seen this, it's called the five levels of freedom to act. <clears throat> in other words, when you're delegating to someone, how comfortable or how much do you trust, using the word here, how much do you trust that they can get the work, uh, get the task done um, completely effectively with quality, et cetera. But it's not only how much you trust them to be able to do it, how much do they trust themselves? So when I'm talking about trust here, I don't mean, you know, do you think they're going to lie to you or do they think you're going to lie to them? No, not that at all. It's, tr it's trust to complete the task. So for example, let's say that, uh, who can I pick on? I'll pick on Bob. Uh, let's say that Bob is delegating a task to me, that Bob is my manager. 
is that one task, he may feel that he can absolutely trust me. I've done this task from a hundred times so that, uh, you know, absolutely high faith that I can get it done. But then he may also give me this new task that I've never done before. Doesn't really know if I know the steps, has never seen me work on that particular word. So his trust, so to speak, that I will be able to complete that task effectively is much, much lower. So sort of take that as the backdrop for what we're going to talk about is the five steps of freedom. The first step here is, is where um, basically the manager is saying when delegating the task, you're saying, okay, do exactly what I tell you and do it exactly the way I tell you to do it. Sort of the, uh, the general term for this would be micromanaging. In other words, is that you're delegating it to them, but you're basically sitting there with them or having someone sitting there with them, or there is a very, very detailed set of steps that they need to follow and check with you on an ongoing basis. Now, you might think, oh, that's an awful thing. I would never micromanage anyone. But the thing is, let's say again, um, this time, Chris, let's say this, you're my boss this time, is if you delegate this to me and I have no clue how to do it, I've never done it, I've never logged into those systems, I've never performed this process, then I would really appreciate being micromanaged for a short time. But in that case, micromanaging is called teaching or training or mentoring or whatever you want to call it in that regard. But anyway, that's level one, where there's very little trust in either of us that, that the task can be completed without the assistance of other people. Level two in this, there we go, is where you're saying to the person here, say, for example, is, is that uh, now maybe uh, Daryl is my, is my manager. <clears throat> Daryl says, hey, Eric, you know what, is that I'd like to delegate this task for you. It's about blah, 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 whatever it is. But what I'd like you to do, Eric, is go and, and think about some options, you know, potential ways that we can solve this problem or complete this task. Don't do any of it yet, but just come up with some solutions and come back to me, and then together we'll make a decision. So in fact, what you're doing is, is you're asking me to go and do some work. It's basically, a, it's a teaching moment from you to me as I'm doing a little bit of research. Uh, I come back and then we'll discuss it. Some of my, uh, my uh, solutions might be good, some might be bad. They might all be bad, but the thing is, is is that in this case, I'd said Daryl would be saying, okay, Eric, let's talk about these options, why they will or won't work. Again, what that is, is that's a teaching moment, is your, I won't say spending, I'll say you're investing time in me to be able to expand my skills. Level three is where you're saying, okay, do what you did in step two. Uh, come up with some potential uh, some potential solutions. But in level three, it's make a recommendation. Don't do it yet till we do it, but I want you to come to me with the potential solution that you think we should do. And again, it's a teaching moment. You're protecting the person from, you want, may want them to go this way and their solution that they've selected may be going that way. So it's a way to bring it together, expand their skill, which we'll be actually talking a lot more when we get into the virtual pieces in a moment. Um, but at the same time is, is that, uh, you know, you're basically setting up that safety net to assure they don't go in the wrong direction. Level four is where you're saying, you know what, I trust you, you've done it before, go do it, but just make sure you report back to me on how it's going. And level five is full understanding. We are saying, hey, you know what, I know you're good with this. Just go do it. Check in with me if you need to. If not, I'll assume that it's done. Uh, maybe put it as an item on your next one-on-one uh, -on -one with me in a couple of weeks. So these are the five levels of delegation. So it's basically each time you delegate to someone, think of which one of these five fits in, not just with the person, but most specifically with the task. 
The next of the two um, of the two concepts I'd like to show you is this one. What this is, as well as you can see, it's called a will-skill matrix. Um, and what it basically means is how willing are you to do it? Namely, are you motivated to perform the task going this way? And what's your level of ability to do it, which is the, uh, the horizontal axis? And that based on where someone falls on that particular task, um, is they would fall into one of these, which changes the way, would you be teaching them? Would you be motivating them? You know, would you just be empowering them, et cetera? So let's talk about these quickly, one at a time. If they have no skill and no willing to really want to do it, no motivation, then you have to direct them. Directing in this case is basically going step by step, sitting on them. This is true micromanaging. I was teaching this a few months ago. Someone looked at this and they said, uh, oh, the, what you would, if they had no skill in this and no willing to learn how to do it, that the direct would be directing them right to the door to leave to hire another employee. So that you know, they should at least have uh, the skill set or a willingness to learn it. So now let's move across the bottom here now. Here we go. To motivate. So this might be someone who absolutely has the skill set to do this, but just doesn't want to do this task anymore. Now, the reason that this might be the case is, let's say, for example, that, uh, um, that I report to Don. And Don says, hey, Eric, I want you to perform task X. And I say, hey, Don, you know, I've done that task for you a million times. You promised me I wouldn't have to do it anymore. Um, you know, do you really want me to, to go back and do this for you? And, and the motivation might just be, hey, Eric, yeah, I need you to just sort of step up and take one for the team. As you know, Glenda does this all the time. Um, but what happens is Glenda's on vacation for a few days, and I didn't realize it when I assigned the task to her. So could you just sort of help me out on this one? And then say, okay, sure. So that's sort of a level of motivation that I may need if I'm fully skilled on it. In other cases, what you'll find, and this could be, for example, with someone you've just hired or someone who really wants to learn a new task so that it will uh, enhance their career, position them for promotion, etc. In this case, you're guiding, which is basically teaching them. So you might be sitting down with them first. You may be making sure that they have the instruction manual for it. You might be basically doing some tag team programming with them. In other words, you'll, uh, you'll assign the task to them. But what you'll do is, is that you'll have someone who knows how to perform the task, act as their mentor to guide them on it on your behalf. Remember, as the manager, you don't have to do all the teaching and the guiding. You can basically delegate one person to do the task and then another person to basically teach that person that task. That's actually a great thing to do because that has another hidden advantage. So say, for example, is that, um, uh, well, let's say Ira. Let's say uh, Ira is working for me and uh, you know what? I'm thinking that I'd like to move him from individual contributor to a supervisor, but I'm not sure how he's going to be managing people. So what I may do is let's say that I delegated a task to Helen, who's under the guide circle here. In other words, really willing to learn, but, uh, but doesn't have the skill set yet. So I say, hey, Ira, will you uh, basically do some mentoring and teaching to, um, to Helen to make, just to make sure that we can, uh, she knows how to do the task. But what I'll also be, I wouldn't say secretly, but I'll say, oh, why not? Secretly doing behind the scenes um, is I'll be observing Ira's ability, willingness, and, um, and skill. Um, at being able to basically mentor Helen. So not only will I be getting, I'm a big uh, productivity person. I like to get at least two benefits from every one action. So by asking Ira to assist Helen, not only will Helen learn how to do it, but it's allowing me to observe Ira for potential promotion. 
And then lastly, as you might expect, is empower. That's someone who knows how, they're willing to do it, et cetera. Now, just tying this a little bit back to the five levels that we talked about in the last slide, and then from there, we'll be getting directly into the virtual stuff, is empower is the equivalent of level four or level five, you know, within the prior, within the prior screen. The micromanaging would be level one, so to speak, you know, the, uh, the having to direct them uh, through it. The, uh, the guiding, what that really is, is that's moving them along the way from level one, where you have to be hands-on teaching them, to two, to three, but it's motivating them to move to four to five, where they, in this case, could move toward empowerment. And the idea of motivating them, it could be, uh, I'm sorry, of, uh, of guiding them, again, goes from one, two, to three. So from here now, these are two basic principles. Again, you know, the five, uh, um, the five levels of, uh, of freedom to act, and then here, the will-skill matrix. With this background now, now let's step in and talk about the virtual delegation process, which, if I'm correct, is what at least uh, some people I've spoken to directly, I know came in specifically to see. So let's begin by, as we go through this process to talk about the who. And by the way, you'll see that some of this, like for example, this first part here, you'll say when possible, delegate tasks based on the employee's strengths, interests, and career direction. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we should do that whether they're again, co-located or it's virtual, but it becomes much more, per much more important when they're virtual. The reason is, is because it's harder for you to motivate them to see if they're doing it and things along that line. So again, something we should always do anyway, but uh, needs to be accentuated virtually. But now let's talk directly about some virtual stuff. Oops. There we go. What's their home environment? So let's say, for example, that, I, that, um, that uh, I'm in charge of the help desk. And what I'm delegating to someone in my team is I want them to basically call all of the people who got help desk support over the past couple of days just to see if they were happy with the support they received. Or for that matter, for people in other professions, basically anything that would be a lot of time spending on the phone and, the video, and video. So I have to know someone's home environment. Say, for example, that they live at home with, uh, you know, with five kids under seven years old. They're all being homeschooled. The walls are thin. Uh, they have two dogs who are continually barking at everything that goes by. It's a really loud house. So if the house is really loud and the, per the, uh, and the person, I, and that person doesn't have a spot in their home where they can really be quiet or have quiet, then I can't delegate a task to them where they're going to be on video or phone all day. Um, so it's basically you have to understand what their home environment is if, in fact, it's the type that will have an effect on the task being performed. In the office, you can control the environment. Why? Because they're in the office. There we go. The next is the level of motivation. You know, as we saw on the previous slides, how motivated are they to perform the task? Now, they may, may be motivated to do task A, B, and C, but if you're giving them task D, if they're really not motivated to do it, how, you know, how much time, how much priority will they give themselves to it? Or will it always just sit on the back burner? Because again, you can't observe them. Why? Because they're home. Now we'll talk about ways of measuring them and all those kind of things going forward, but it's something else you have to consider. The third is their personality type. 
If you have someone, say, who is very extroverted and just doesn't do well sitting home alone working on something, you know, it may be because they've worked for you for a couple of years. And, you know, in, in the old days and by the old days, I mean, like last January before COVID hit, uh, is that, you know, that uh, they have to get up. They got to be talking to people. It's just sort of the way they work is you probably don't want to delegate a task to them that's specifically associated with them sitting and working for five or six hours home alone without talking to anyone. The other side of that coin could be is that, um, you know, if they're very, uh, very introverted, um, you may not want to give them the type of task. Now, tie that to home. If they're in a very, very busy home and they're introverted to begin with, you probably don't want to give them the types of tasks that's going to put them on video for eight hours a day. Others are just their ability to work at home alone. If someone just, you know that they're going to be dawdling and just they have trouble concentrating, then for someone, if they have trouble working alone, I'm going to want to delegate tasks that are specifically designed that they need to collaborate with other people. So as you see, what I'm really trying to do here, and we'll talk more about this concept, is tie delegation, not just to the task and the skill, but also related to many things about the, the person themselves. Now, if you're saying, gee, you know, what, you know, you'd like to learn more about, you know, the personality types or motivation or, you know, the kind of home environment, the things I'm talking to, is one of the things, and you'll see how to do it at the end of this, uh, is that if you sign up for, if you didn't do those webinars with us in the last couple of months, if you sign up for our uh, community, which basically gives you access to our resource library, you'll be able to get more information on those things uh, from, the, from the webinars we did the prior two months. <clears throat> and next, level of technical and conceptual connectivity. What that means is, is let's say, for example, that I am um, working, that I, um, I'm, I'm delegating a task to do video editing to someone. Um, if they have very slow internet just because of where they live kind of thing, and it takes five hours to download, you know, a great big MP4, probably don't want to delegate them to that person because their, their, their productivity will be very, very slow because of their technical connection. Conceptual connectivity is basically how much do they have a need to want to be talking to other people and connecting in. Some people said, hey, just give me my tasks. I'm happy to do them, whatever it is. I'm self-motivated. I don't care what other people are doing. Just make sure I get enough stuff to work on, which also ties to a need for flow. They're good. So you really need to consider more about all of these things, this holistic view, and you'll see that word again, a holistic view about the person, the task, the connectivity, their home environment, all of these things to do what we should always do as managers, which is set up our team for success. So anyway, that's the who. You know, now let's talk about the how. Okay. Now with the how, what you want to do is uh, when I talk to people about delegation in general, um, they really hate this virtual world. Why? Because they say that, you know what, they're very controlling or control oriented, I'll say by nature. And they love it when they manage when people were in the office to be able to walk by and see that people are working on things, you know, observation, etc. But you can't do that anymore in a virtual world unless you're sneaking up to someone's house and looking through their home office, which has, well, let me say other legal issues related to it. Um, but anyway, so but what you can do to keep that level of control <clears throat> and when they're working in a virtual world is what you can do is you, if you can, if you write out for them, particularly by the way, if there are multiple people performing the same task, write out very, very specific process steps, do step A, do step B, step C, step D, et cetera. And this is the level of quality that we need. 
This is going to be tying actually a little bit into the measurement, but the big key, big, big important piece here is the process. So, you know, you can then say, you know, each time you finish a process, drop me an email. Fine, but you can check to see that all these steps were done. Maybe it was something done technically. But what it does, it allows you as the manager, if you're a little control oriented, to really basically feel a little bit better that the people are doing the things and at the same time provide them better direction. <clears throat> the next is, and if I can ask everybody just to say maybe um, enter into the, uh, the Q&A box or into the chat box. Are you familiar with, um, um, with uh, SMART goals? You know, S uh, SMART, S-M-A-R-T. Uh, S-M-A-R-T. I have to be careful with my Boston accent. If I call it SMART goals, no one will know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Well, I'm getting some yeses. A uh, bunch of yeses coming up in the uh, in the question and answer. Great. So let me say is that if you're not familiar and I go a little bit ahead of you here, go no no. Tell me to tell, tell me to slow and I'll tell you. But let me say if you're not really familiar with them and even don't want to say, um, is take as a homework assignment from today is just Google uh, smart goals. Again, it's the word smart. S M A R T. But basically what I'm going to be suggesting you're doing and why I'm talking about them here is that in fact you provide SMART goals in every task that you delegate. Why? Because it's the only way that you can measure that people are actually doing the things that you want them to do. But also here, let's say for example that, uh, that I work for, um, that I work for uh, Cheryl, okay? And um, it's funny, my wife's name is Cheryl starts with a C. So when I looked over, I saw an S there, it took me a minute. Uh, but anyway, is that, so that was for Cheryl with an S, obviously. Uh, but anyway, is, is that say that, for example, I work for Cheryl and she uh, assigns me a task and says, yeah, it's due in three weeks. And I go, okay, great, that's good. And you know, Cheryl just, we're in the office, she's walking down the hall, knock on my office door, you know, knock on my cube. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. You know, we'll see that I'm working on it, et cetera. Again, can't do that virtually. So what you're going to want to do is smart. Just as a reminder, it has to be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. So what I'm suggesting is as you provide smart goals, as maybe Cheryl did to me on that particular task, instead of making it three weeks, certainly that's the ultimate de uh, deadline. But what you want to probably do is check in with me in much smaller time increments. Maybe if uh, you assign it on a Monday, that first week we talk uh, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, then Friday, maybe then the following Tuesday, the following Friday, and maybe Monday of the third week. The reason being is, is, is let's say I go in the wrong direction. If we're not connected, you're going to know it. So better, you know, instead of it's three weeks out, I've gone over here and Cheryl said, oh, wait a minute, I needed you to do it this way. You know, if I'm only here because I've been working on it for two days, it's much easier for me to pivot to then continue from that perspective. Now, the third one here is really interesting is this is one of the biggest issues that people have just in regular delegation, let alone it's virtual. And let me read you this one. Provide background on the task's purpose so the employee can make small micro decisions on your behalf without your involvement. A lot of times when people delegate tasks just in general, what they do is they say to people that um, they'll say, all right, you know what is that uh, here's what I want you to do. I don't have it all figured out, but you have any questions, just come to me. And they won't spend the time because they don't have it. They're very, very busy. But they say, I don't have the time to really explain the whole thing. Just do the best you can. Now, what I would say is don't spend time. Invest time, more time than you would have. Because what happens is, is let's say that, uh, who should I pick on next? 
um, Kerry. Let's say that Kerry uh, assigned a task to me and tells me what to do. Well, when we hang up the phone, in order for me to complete that task, that's where these micro tasks come in. I'm going to be having to make all of these different decisions on your, you know, on your behalf. Oh, you know, Kerry want me to do it this way or do it that way, et cetera. And the more that you time you invest in me to understand it as you would understand it. In fact, there's a name for that. It's called level up management. Um, where I understand it as you would, the more likely is I'll be performing the task the way you would have done it if you were performing the task. Okay, now let me just go back for a minute. That's the how. Now let's talk about measurement criteria. This is enormously important. Is when you delegate a task to someone virtually, is that you should they should know exactly what outcomes you're looking for, what quality requirements you're expecting, the critical success factors, and I'll come back to that one in a moment. Any predefined benchmarks, I'll come back to that one in a moment also, and the specific measurement criteria. So let's talk about a couple of these. I wanted to open up the slide so you could see it. By quality, you know, sometimes it's, hey, this has to be 100% right, or let's just do a first draft. What that does is that stops people from, you know, uh, basically, as they say, burning the midnight oil, uh, working on a task that you're just looking for a draft of something to then, you know, work on it together and then go to, to work on a phase two or a second draft, et cetera. Now, critical success factors, uh, CSFs, that's a second uh, sort of pseudo homework assignment for you. If you're not familiar with critical success factors, then I suggest that uh, you just write that down and it would be a good thing for you to Google afterwards. You'll get like a million, uh, million hits on what it is. At a high level is, is that if I'm assigning a task to you, I'm going to be having to decide when you finish the task, how successful were you? Did you do a good job? The criteria that I use to judge your successfulness, uh, your success in completing that task are critical success factors. So if you tell the person you're delegating that task to, let's say that Mandy uh, is delegating a task to me, and, um, you know, and I know that Mandy's going to be judging how good I do because of A, B, and C. I'm going to make sure I do a really good job on A, B, and C. Why? Because that's how I know I'm going to be judged and my performance review is coming up. But am I gaming the system? A little bit, but I'm gaming the system by doing exactly the kind of things that my boss Mandy wants me to do. So that's why those are important. Predefined benchmarks, a lot of those are related to volume. In other words, how many of these do you want to do? Is that, say, well, say it's uh, help desk calls or it's putting together widgets or whatever it is, um, is that the average person does 30 of these a day. So if you do 35 of these a day, you're a little more productive than others. If you're doing five of them per day, then probably we need to talk because there's either a training issue, uh, a skill issue of some sort, or a motivation issue. So it basically gives you that data in order to be able to go back and then properly assess that person when review time comes. The next is communication. And communication comes in two types. The first is between you and the person. So for example, now, uh, Laurie, you're my boss. Boy, I never had so many bosses in my life. Uh, so anyway, Laurie, you're my boss now. So what will happen is you assign a task to me. As part of doing that, you should say, hey, Eric, you know, let's set up some time to talk. Uh, why don't we schedule some one-on-one specifically related to this task, sort of as the timing that I mentioned before, on Wednesday, Friday, then maybe the middle of the, the week next day, and then a couple of days before the tasks do. Just to make sure if I have questions, if I'm going in the right direction that you wish. Now, it could be just a two-minute check-in. You schedule half an hour if it's three minutes, and it's, oh, no, all's going great. Okay, good, good. Well, then you have 25 minutes, and the other person has 25 minutes to 
do whatever you want to do. But it's important you have those formalized check-ins. Because you know what? If not, think of it, you know, if you've ever gone, you know, met with your high school or college friends, you know, say in the last few years, you haven't seen each other for two or three years, and you're sitting there at dinner and you say, oh, this was great. We should get together every couple of months. And then you blink, it's a year later. The same thing happens here that you're thinking, okay, let's talk later in the week. It's not assigned and poof, the three weeks is over and the schedule, uh, you know, and the task has to be done. <clears throat> now, the other type of communication that's required is remember, everyone's not in the office now. You know, maybe when that task is assigned, there are vendors this person needs to talk to, um, project stakeholders they might have to touch base with, internal contacts at the company itself or other things. What you, what you should really do as the manager is you should say it's with a vendor. You should say, you know, call Joe, call Mary, call Amy, call Bill. Here's their phone numbers. If you'd like, I'll make an email introduction to make sure that they return your call. But because everyone's virtual, if the person you're delegating to doesn't already have a, rela a specific relationship with the people that they're going to be talking to, by you providing um, an introduction, telling them exactly who to call, it basically saves them from spinning their wheels. And also basically, it, as they say, just sort of grease the skids that uh, if let's say, for example, that it's really, really important that I talk to Mark. Uh, so my boss um, drops Mark an email that says, hey, Mark, I'd like to introduce you to Eric. He's one of the folks on my team. Please take his email when he emails you because he's working on a task for me. So it's those kind of things. Just again, anything you can do to remove the hurdles related to communication between the person you're delegating with and others. Now measurement. What measurement has to be is that, well, I'll read this one to you. Employee measurement in a virtual world requires data collected during and after the task is performed. Okay. The reason is, is because you can't observe them. How are you going to know if they did a good job? So where this data comes from is this data must be consistent, okay? Remember, we're talking consistency now with what? With the measurement criteria and the critical success factors, in fact, you gave them previously, you know, during step one. Um, and that the employee knows this and you're checking into this on an ongoing basis. So the, que the big question for you on the tasks is how are you going to measure what they're doing? Is it based on the date that it was delivered? Did they get it done on time? If it's something data oriented, can you check in the system to assess some type of, uh, of consistency and quality? Um, if they're on the phone with, uh, with clients or customers or they're doing user support or any of that, um, are their calls being recorded so you can do a check-in once in a while or double, you know, double jack with them a little bit, you know, two people on the same phone call um, to just see that it's being done well? I mean, how many times do you call uh, for technical support for yourself or something at a company? Um, and what do they say? This, this phone call may be recorded for, um, you know, for training and, um, and quality purposes. They're doing exactly this what's on this slide so anytime you assign a task virtually is you need some way to collect data during it that they're doing well it might be with a one-on-one -on -one where they show you what they did you know again it depends totally on the task because if you do this then what will happen is if the delegate if if delegation and measurement are done well you know, the smart goal pieces that we talked about for the ability to collect the materials, then what it will do is when you do their prior period um, performance review, namely like how they've done in the last 12 months kind of thing, you can do this from a real position of data 
uh, of, of data rich information that you can use. Another quick tip, by the way, that I love to use is that when I get an email from someone, let's say that I delegate a task to, uh, to Martha and that Martha uh, sends me an email back, or maybe Martha was working on that task for Marla. Uh, obviously, I'm going alphabetical pretty much through the list. Sorry, Mark, I missed you. I'll come back to you. Uh, but anyway, is that, uh, so let's say that Marla is, um, you know, is the one that Martha is performing the task for. And, Mar uh, and Marla sends me an email. Hey, Eric, Martha did an awesome job on that task. That's really great. Or maybe, Mar um, maybe Martha emails me her status report. What do I do with that stuff? Well, I take it and I slide it into a you know, a, an Outlook folder with Martha's name on it. So whenever I get a new employee or whenever, you know, like I take over, uh, if I would say be the new manager in a department, I immediately go to my Outlook and I create folder names with each of their names on it. So that say during the task or during the performance period, you know, Martha sends me a status report. I read it. I do with it whatever I should, you know, as a manager. But then instead of deleting it, I slide it into the Martha folder. You know, the, that email that I mentioned that Marla sent me about the great job that, uh, that Martha's doing, I take that, I slide it into the folder. What does it do related to this slides? It adds to the data richness of the material that I have in order to give, in this case, Martha, her performance review. So now from here, let's change topics now. That's sort of the general processes or process to go through in providing uh, virtual delegation to someone. And as you say, it as, see it as many of the same attributes as in-person delegation, because at the end of the day, delegation is delegation. But the difference is, is that it's being done with purpose in smaller pieces. You're thinking more about the communication. You're making sure more was more information about the quality and the task, et cetera, is being provided up front and all that other stuff. But now let's move to a new, a new topic. What this topic is, is what I like to call growth-based virtual delegation. Now, wow, that's a fancy word. I bet it has a definition. Yes, it does. Uh, the definition of growth-based delegation is that it's delegating a task that contains an employee growth component. In other words, is that, remember I said before, and many of you may know this, I wrote a book on productivity, so I'm a big productivity guy. So I like to get at least two benefits from every one action that happens. In this case, if I am delegating something with, let's say, delegating it to, oh, I don't know, to, oh, to Mark, I missed you. I'm delegating a task to Mark. Uh, the first thing done is, yeah, I got to get the task done. But the second thing that I need to get done uh, is basically, in this case, is that it'll let Mark maybe grow a little bit, learn a little bit more about the task, increase his skill set, things along that line. So this is basically when you delegate, just think, is deciding on who to give it to? Is there any second or third benefit that you can get by because it provides cross-training or other things like that? But now let's tie this, the usage of this definition directly into a virtual world. Okay, the first thing is, is let's talk about training, all right? And uh, I can pick on training. Well, as you know, I do it for a living, all right? Um, training is a skill accelerator, not a skill internalizer. So what do all those fancy words mean? It means that if I want you to perform a task, uh, say it's programming in a new programming language, uh, you're gonna pick it up a little bit faster and your learning curve is gonna be reduced is if I send you a class where people teach you how to use it. Okay, no magic there. But have you ever been, you know, have you ever learned a skill like you went to say a class on Java or on database or whatever it is, and then you don't use that skill for three or four months? 
you know, at, by three or four months, it's gone. You know, you, you don't even remember. You got to basically take the class over. If you take the class again, you know, it'll be, oh, yeah, it'll, you'll learn a little bit faster because you had at least a little bit of a basis on it. But then again, what happens is, is this training does this, but it doesn't enhance your skill set. So the next is um, skill usage is required to internalize newly acquired skills and knowledge. So then how do we tie this back to virtual? Well, first of all, is growth, the combination of growth-based delegation. In other words, is, is that uh, I'm trying to give it to you because I want you to learn it a little bit, combined with just-in-time training, provides you both the accelerator and the internalizer. Now, bringing this directly into virtual is ongoing virtual communication. Now, related to the delegated task, remember a couple of times we said to folks, we said, hey, uh, you know, if we, we, I'll sign the task, but then that whole communication thing from the, from the process is that, uh, you know, let's meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the following Tuesday on this. What it is, is you're setting that up because of the task. It's required because of the delegated uh, process that's going on. However, because they also just took a class in it, it provides the venue or the conduit, so to speak, for virtual coaching on that, with that employee because you have to connect with them anyway because you've delegated them the task. So it's the combination of, again, you know, the class and the delegation that together in a virtual world, maybe they're taking a class on Linda or something internally at your company or a great training class from some, you know, some firm that provides technical training. And then, you know, they're doing it right away. And then third, because they're doing it, you delegated the task, you got to talk to them a lot or you get someone else to talk to them a lot. Is that helps them to internalize the skill and truly enhance their skill set. So really now just uh, one, you know, if you think about it, everything we've talked about from now is certainly it's things you can do. But what it really is, is it's about them. It's not about you. So in these last few slides is let's talk about you. Is that um, you have to adapt your virtual delegation leadership to make sure that people are in fact, uh, or that you're in fact doing things in a way that facilitates quality virtual delegation. So here now, um, here, I'm not going to go through, we have like three of these slides. I'm not going to go through every one of them. But again, if you, uh, if you sign up for our, uh, it's free actually, for our free um, resource library community, you'll be able to uh, get the video of this. So take a screenshot of it now if you wish. But the things that you need to consider is what's your management style? In other words, if you manage by walking around, you know, is that if you're saying, yeah, I love doing that. Okay, but you know what? Uh, how you doing that in a virtual world, et cetera? And just go through all of these items here related to your management style, related to how you communicate to people. In other words, I'm just going to pick on the first one of each of these, um, is if you like to communicate with people by, yep, I love bumping into them at the water cooler or actually at the coffee machine. I don't know anyone who ever bumped into anyone at a water cooler. Uh, but then how do you do that virtual? Well, that's a little bit more, more difficult. You can't do it that way. You know, how are you connecting with them? Are you doing one-on-ones? Are you doing all those things that are required in a virtual space that quite frankly allows their delegation to be more, um, more, uh, more richer, I should say, because they're not talking to you. Think about, don't you love when you're working virtual right now to get a little bit of time with your boss, get a little bit more clarity on what the tasks are, know that you're working in the right direction, make sure your boss still knows you're alive. Well, the only difference between that and when you talk to your team is the role you're in. Instead of basically looking up from you to the manager, you're looking down from you to the team. 
And then the third one of these is business process. Business processes, it's much more difficult to build them uh, virtually and have them <clears throat> enhance themselves. Like for example, if uh, Richmond and I are in two cubes next to each other physically in the office and our boss Joe does a lousy job defining the process and the handshake from me to him, all right, then, um, then what's going to happen is, is Richmond and I are going to figure it out. I'm going to stand up and say, all right, this doesn't work. Let's do it that way and do it this way. Well, unless we're talking on video or by phone, um, is that is that uh, the ability for processes to be enhanced sort of from the ground up are much more difficult. So in other words, when you're delegating processes, make sure that those processes are well-defined and worked. So just sort of following up on that then is just sort of your managerial thought process as you're thinking about everything that we've discussed is first of all, you have to learn yourself. You have to understand the employees work from home environment. And that includes their connectivity, the privacy, the news level, the equipment type, their family requirements, you know, all that other stuff that we talked about previously. Next is you really have to discover the workers' needs. What are the things that they need in order to perform the task? For example, if someone is on help desk, you're going to have to give them two types of tasks. First, certainly to answer the phone when someone calls in if they have a help question. But other than that, you don't want them just sitting there playing computer games. What you want to do is also assign them a bigger task, maybe asset management, who has what PCs, you know, upgrading um, uh, security patches on servers or whatever else you would have them do so that they have the on-demand task and another task. Because remember, you're going to have to basically keep them busy. Next is consider, is that understand how the employee's personality type work from home, environment, their productivity, their work will affect their overall performance as someone on your team. And then lastly, how you act on this, there's that word holistic again. Take basically a holistic view of the entire employee. So to make sure that you're delegating tasks to them that not only will be productive and effective for you, but also helps them succeed and grow as an employee. So from here, what I'd like to do is I'd like to basically just uh, tell you a little bit more about, uh, about stuff with us. Um, is our next webinar, if you like this one, they're all on our, uh, the ITML Institute website under uh, uh, register. Our next one is on uh, uh, the work from home office of uh, future IT workplace. That will be, it's also a Friday, it's May 14th. Um, next is, is that uh, I mentioned it, but the, uh, if you click on membership within our website, what that will do effectively, and there's a free version of it also, in fairness to you all, um, is that uh, it'll give you access to our resource library, which in addition to the previous videos and this video, will have a ton of stuff in it that hopefully will be of strong business value to you. We also have, what I'd like to announce, is an in-house IT leadership program. What this is, is this is a turnkey 12-month program or six months if you prefer. It's customizable to your shop. So if you're sitting back and say, wow, you know what? We'd love to have some specialized IT leadership or IT management training in the company month after month after month is we have a great program. You can find that on or just research up to us. And also our claim of fame are our three-day uh, certification boot camps followed by the certification exam. We are the governing body for it. Um, and uh, for the ITMLP, which by the way, I'm proud to say that and the MLE, which is for more senior executives, um, sort of manager of managers level, uh, were recognized uh, at the end of 2020 by CIO.com as a top 10 IT training management program.
So all of this stuff is available on our website, should you be of interest. Uh, these classes we're doing on a monthly basis. Um, and um, from here, what I would like to do, and I'll bounce back to this so you can see it, but I'd really just like to thank you for your time, for spending just under 45 minutes of, uh, of your life with me. Um, I, uh, here's my contact info, should you wish to contact me related to any of the things that we've spoke on. And uh, again, I'll just pop back to here for a moment. There we go. Um, to be able to see what's in the MLP and MLE, should you wish to, uh, to join us. Uh, before I call it a day. Um, are there any questions or whatnot that you may have uh, before we end today's webinar? For those of you who, uh, who don't have questions, it was a true pleasure to have you with us today and uh, hope to see you at uh, future webinars and uh, also future classes.